Guys, 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 hey, hey, okay, you'll never believe this. There is a program where drag queens are grooming little kids to become LGBTQ people. We have to tell everyone. Everyone has to know about this. Pretty dramatic, huh? That's nothing compared to how dramatic the right wing is behaving when it comes to the drag story hour. They are spreading a narrative right now that basically says that the drag story hour was intended to force a sexual agenda on children to influence their sexual orientation and gender identity to make them into LGBTQ people. Now, I'm always criticizing people for allowing their bias to influence the way that they perceive current events, situations, political issues. So it would be pretty hypocritical of me to go online and start condemning those narratives without doing a deep dive and finding out for sure whether there is anything to their story. And that's exactly what I did. I investigated the program. I watched actual sessions. I read the thesis paper that described the principles and purpose behind the program. And I can say absolutely with certainty that there's no aspect of this program whatsoever that could have any influence on any kid's sexual orientation, gender identity, or anything related to that aspect of a child's development. Now, I know, that's a bold statement. But I wouldn't make a statement like that if I didn't have proof. In fact, I am the proof. I have lived the proof. And not just me, either. Every LGBTQ person who has ever been raised or grown up in a restrictive, aggressively heteronormative environment that not only influenced them, but coerced them to embrace a sexual orientation chosen for them against who they actually are. Now, if you've interacted with Republicans on Twitter ever since Elon Musk removed moderation from the platform, then you've seen what basically their last-ditch rebuttal is. Whenever you've cornered them, you've debunked all the bullshit that they've tried to throw at you, to where they're cornered, they don't have a leg to stand on, at that point, their reply is going to be either OK Groomer or OK Pedo. Groomer is pretty much their buzzword of the day. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Grooming. Every LGBTQ person who grew up in an environment like I did knows that we weren't only pushed in the direction of being straight or suggested that um, 
that that was what we were supposed to turn out as. We were brutally coerced through threats of being rejected by our family and friends, being kicked out of our homes, and burning in hell for all of eternity. Now, it started for me when I was six. I realized I was different. And this was the first time in kindergarten that uh, I actually had other kids to compare myself to. By the time I was seven, I realized that it was other boys that I liked. Don't ask me how, I just knew. The romantic interest that we're supposed to have towards girls, you know, as, as young boys, I knew even from that age that I didn't have that, that it was the opposite for me. Thing is though, I didn't know that there was even a word for that. I had never been exposed to that even as a concept. I had been so firewalled off from knowledge of the existence of gay people that I thought I was the only one on earth. Now one day in first grade, some of the other girls and boys in class started talking about each other uh, in the context of them being boyfriends and girlfriends. I didn't really have a concept of what that meant. To me, it just sounded like the word girl and the word boy paired with the word friend. So I used the word boyfriend in the context of my best friend, Andy. The other kids in class and my teacher, who was a nun, I went to a Catholic school. They, they flipped out, especially the teacher. She then subjected us to the most fucked up version of a sex talk that anybody's ever gotten. It consisted of flashcards that were drawn in the way that you might expect uh, illustrations in the manual for a circular saw might look. Just sort of very <laughs> clean, professional um, line work with expressionless faces. On these flashcards, men were having sex with each other, drinking each other's urine, eating each other's feces, doing things with animals, and participating in other really messed up ritualistic type stuff that I don't fully remember. And didn't really have the, the context to process at that age. I asked her to stop. I said I didn't want to see any more. She didn't care. She told me that men who loved other men are called sodomites. And that sodomites only come into being when, well, existing sodomites kidnap Christian children and brainwash them into being sodomites. My teacher told me Without this process occurring, nobody would ever become a sodomite. She also told me that, well, gay men insist that they were born that way or that they just are that way because not remembering is part of the brainwashing. 
I left that meeting believing that had happened to me. And I started sealing my bedroom window and door with wood screws at night because I didn't want them to take me again. Okay, breaking in on an edit here. While listening to this before posting it, I realized when I said we were subjected to that sex talk, that wasn't the whole class. It was just me and Andy that were subjected to that at that time. But to my knowledge, dozens of other kids were too. This was something that was reserved for any kid who showed any tendency or said anything that suggested they might be gay or had a, a perception of being gay that wasn't in line with the ideology that they were trying to groom us all into. There is a belief among right-wing groups and religious groups from the faiths that are extremely homophobic, mostly Christianity and Islam, that if homosexuality were eradicated, that there, if there was no gay people left, that homosexuality would never return. And so they set out on a mission to do exactly that, eradicate it. Now, and I've debated with right-wing people on this, a lot of them have told me that ever since the concept of homosexuality were, was uh, invented in Sodom and Gomorrah, the world's never been in a state where there were no gay people, where it was eradicated. So how do I know that it would come back? Again, I've lived the proof. You and I both know that story that none told me was bullshit, the one where not remembering is part of the brainwashing. Nobody with a functioning brain believes that story is true unless they're a little kid who's been raised to always trust and believe what the grown-ups say. Now, this reminds me of a, a quote by Andrew Dice Clay from one of his uh, comedy specials that I listened to when I was a teenager. During my uh, self-hating homophobic phase, I, I liked his work. And uh, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't remember it exactly, but he basically said he can't imagine that anybody would look at a hairy ass and want to bang it. I think those might have been his exact words. Who would look at a hairy ass and run a bang it? And in his narcissism, his arrogance, he can't imagine that anybody would ever see things differently than him. And that's the kind of people who are prone to falling for narratives like that, believing that kind of bullshit. They see things a certain way, and if anybody sees it differently, if the idea of having sex with another man doesn't turn someone else's stomach the way it does theirs, then there must be something wrong with them. Somebody must have messed with them, brainwashed them, inserted that idea into their mind at the wrong time, and that's the only possible explanation. And that's the way they rationalize this 
never-ending mission to stamp out homosexuality by pushing these fucked up ideologies, this kind of self-hatred and shame on kids. And that is what they're doing. They are grooming kids to be straight. And they have been for centuries. At this point, it is such a cliche. I mean, you hear it so often because it's true. That's not why it's true. It's true because of, well, it just is objective reality. They always accuse others of what they're doing. Now, you can almost date a conversation and figure out exactly what time period it occurred in by listening to what buzzwords Republicans use. A few months ago, it was OK Pedo, which sprung entirely from one state-level Democrat who was not in favor of taking internet access away from registered sex offenders. Now, that's a complicated issue, and I'm not going to get into that, except to say that, you know, if they're not safe to be on the internet, which you have to use just to function in the world, get a job, do anything, then maybe they shouldn't have been let out at all. You know, but the issue expands from there, so I'm not going to get sidetracked on that. But now, their buzzword is OK Groomer. They always accuse everyone else of what they themselves are doing. They talk about the drag story hour grooming kids. The church has been grooming people for centuries. Heteronormative cultures have been grooming kids to be straight for centuries. And that's it. So, where we uh, left off before I so rudely cut in was uh, the end of this meeting with this nun where she gave me the, the most fucked up sex talk anybody's ever gotten. So, this is the point at which, uh, well, I tell you about what happened after that little counseling session. By the time I was eight years old, I had heard a lot more. But I should back up. People have told me that they, when I've told them this story, that they think those flashcards are the reason I turned out gay. Mm -hmm thing is, kids get into mischief, and I was no different. Me and my friends got into their parents' stuff and investigated and snooped and found girly magazines. Most of it was tamer stuff like Penthouse and, and Playboy, but we found some Hustlers, too, and some other magazines with, well, photo spreads of pretty explicit sexual intercourse. Uh, these were like <laughs> Captain Flint's treasure to my friends, but to me, I didn't have the same reaction. I had known at the time that what I saw in those magazines was something different than what my friends did. 
um, if sexual orientation were created by something a, a kid saw, or the, the first sort of sexual imagery that a kid sees, I'd totally be straight. Those girly magazines, I saw plenty of those before the flashcards ever happened. So that definitely wasn't the cause of it. Nobody knows the cause of it. This is one of those questions that science and psychology and medicine have been trying to solve for years. It's just one of the unanswered questions, one of those enduring mysteries of humanity. But the fact is, one out of every ten people worldwide is either not straight or not cisgendered in some way. One out of every ten people in the world, every culture, every country, turns out to be LGBTQ, and that's just a fact. It can't be chosen, and it can't be changed. And if it could be changed, I'd be straight right now. By the time I was eight years old, I had heard a lot more and seen a lot of things written on bathroom walls and places like that. Disgusting things. Things that felt like they were intended for me. Things that I took as a description of me. Really disgusting stuff. At this point, I had been influenced to believe that being gay was, was a perversion, an abomination. The worst thing a person could ever be, the most shameful thing that someone could ever be. I started praying every night for God to either make me straight or kill me because I knew I could feel it that at some point if I lived long enough, I would meet a boy, or if I was a grown-up, I would meet a man and commit that sin out of love, out of folly for another boy or another man. And I wanted God to either take that out of me or kill me before that happened. Because we couldn't commit suicide. Suicides go to hell, that's what we were taught. A couple of times I actually just rode my bike out into traffic. Just not looking, hoping to not exist anymore. But the drivers always stopped. After the second time I did that, I actually realized that would have been a suicide. Nobody would have known but me, but... That would have absolutely been a suicide. And that scared me because I hadn't thought it through enough to, to realize that before. But at that point I did. I prayed for forgiveness. I went to confession. I didn't say why I tried to do it. I made a decision in that moment that I would be straight that I would fight and pray it away. And I kept that fight up for the next 24 years. That fight ended for me when I found the body of my closest friend. 
He was just like me. He had grown up in an environment just like me, and he was married to a woman. I didn't know this when we became friends from working at the same place. It wasn't until we really got to know each other better that he came up to, to me and to one of his uh, siblings. We tried to get him to embrace who he was. He eventually got divorced and we figured, hey, he's free. He can finally unburden himself and, and just live as who he was. And we thought this would be a great thing for him. But even though he was free, he had a clean slate, he could do whatever he wanted at that point. He decided he couldn't face his, his parents, his friends, his family, other than us. And he took his own life. He was groomed a lot more brutally than I was. He was beaten, forced to sleep outside in the cold. Had his head forcibly shaved. You see, he was, he was quiet, he was shy, he was artistic, fashionable. And even the way he combed his hair screamed, as far as his father was concerned, it screamed, faggot. So he was subjected to a lot more than I was to try to turn him straight. But it never worked. Even when he told his wife about it and they went to therapy and even tried conversion therapy, it didn't work. It never does. And if you look at the track record of the conversion therapy, it often results in suicide. Now me, I was, I was better at hiding it. I hunted, I hunted deer, pheasant, quail, prairie chicken, I fished. I wrestled, I took jiu-jitsu classes. I went to college on a baseball scholarship. I dated pretty girls and I never really could connect with them. When I found him, that's when I kind of realized all the depression, the suicide attempts, both the ones from childhood and a couple that occurred later, they were a pattern and that eventually one of these attempts would work. The anxiety, the depression, the self-destruction, sabotaging relationships. It was all part of fighting myself. And I knew in that moment it was all a product of not living as who I actually was. That's when I realized if I didn't start facing this, well, I would die. I really only had two choices, come out, be a gay man, just embrace who I was, stop fighting or admit that I'd lost the war and just kill myself. Because that's how hard it was to get through the day, every day. In a relationship with a woman that I didn't want to be in.
So I did it. I moved on. I came out. And then I met my actual first love. We talked all night the first time we met. And I realized immediately we had a connection. We'd been through so many of the same things. And the first time we actually spent the night together, which was like a week later, I realized this is how it's supposed to feel to really connect with someone. This is what it was supposed to be like the whole time. I fought for a long time to try to become straight and up to the moment that I met him, if I could have hit a button that would have made me straight and instantly, I would have hit it. I would have mashed that thing a million times. If there was a potion I had to take, I would have sold everything I owned and traveled the world for the ingredients if I had to. Climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro to harvest the ultra-rare flower that was like the final ingredient. I would have done anything. At the moment I met him, the moment we connected, I realized what we had, that was what was really right. That was what was really beautiful. He's an amazing person. I couldn't believe it. Pretty much everything I could have ever wanted in a partner. He is absolutely one of the most amazing people I've ever met, and what he's added to my life is immeasurable. And if I had fought any longer, we never would have met. If my friend hadn't killed himself, if I hadn't found him, I think I still would have arrived at that point sooner or later where I realized I needed to come out or give up. Uh, It would have happened either way. I just... I've always regretted that I didn't come out to my friend who had come out to me. Maybe he and I could have gotten through that together. Maybe he'd still be here. I have to live with that. Since then, I've talked to a lot of other people in our community who were raised in the kinds of environments that my friend and I were raised in, and it's always the same story. Not only were they aggressively groomed to be straight, but hell, we participated. We all did. We participated in our own grooming. We wanted it to work. We wanted to be like everyone else. We wanted to be who we were supposed to be and not be rejected, not be ostracized, not have to tell everyone in our lives that, hey, you know this thing that I've always been, that you always thought I was, I'm actually the other thing. And find out whether they really cared about us enough to support us and accept us. Nobody wants to deal with that. We wanted it to work. That's a lifetime of torture, and a lot of it 
is torture that we inflict on ourselves. Because that's what we were taught to do. We were taught to hate that part of ourselves and to kill it in any way that we could. But it never, ever dies in any of us. And eventually we all end up at the same place. That internal war always ends. My friend, he died without ever holding a guy's hand, without ever dating a guy, without ever kissing a guy, without ever exploring that part of who he was, the part that he fought, the part that he died fighting. Who would choose that? Who would choose that kind of torture? Who would choose to be so miserable? Like I said, it's always the same story. So, that's the proof. And here's how you apply that proof. If this lifetime of torture, these threats of rejection, of being ostracized, thrown out of our parents' homes, going through eternal agony in hell, being torn limb from limb every day, so that our bodies could fuse themselves back together so we could be torn apart all over again. If none of that was able to make us straight, even when we wanted it to desperately, then how is listening to a drag queen read a storybook about a prince falling in love with another prince going to make a kid gay. How is a kid coming up with their own drag name? Going to make a kid become a drag queen when it's not even pushing them in that direction. It's just showing them, hey, this is this person. This is what they're like. And there's nothing wrong with it. Showing them that they're okay. They're just like any other person. There's just this thing about them. There's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing wrong with accepting them for who they are. And if you happen to be one of them, if you happen, if you happen to be LGBT or Q, then you're okay too. You can accept yourself. That's all it does. It doesn't push them in that direction at all. It doesn't tell them that's what they're supposed to be. It does no pushing at all. Nothing coercive. Just shows them. Here are these people. And they're okay. And you're okay if you're one of them. And that's it. That is all that program does. And they think that's going to turn a kid gay when a lifetime of threats and coercion and pressure. And being told that they're going to burn in hell if that isn't enough to convince any of us to be straight. How is the drag story hour going to make a kid gay? The, the answer is that it's not. It can't. And anybody who is gay or, or has someone in their life that they're close to who is anyone who fits either of those descriptions hears this narrative that the, the drag story hour is grooming kids. 
they're gonna roll their eyes and, and they would probably laugh except that these narratives are getting people killed. In shootings. Like the one at, well, <clears throat> like the Pulse nightclub in Orlando and Club Q in Colorado Springs. These narratives have already gotten people killed. And they're going to kill more people. The right wing right now, and for years now, since the beginning of the Trump era, really since the, the beginning of the, the advent of Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh, have adopted these tactics of twisting situations to fit their narrative, exaggerating and blowing up any aspect of any situation that supports their agenda, their narrative. And either downplaying or denying entirely anything that doesn't support their argument, their position on anything. They're liars, and they know that they're liars, and the people spreading these narratives, they may not specifically know that these narratives are untrue, but they know that they lie about so many other things that there's at least the possibility this one's also bullshit. But do they, do they listen to their conscience and find out for sure before retweeting these kinds of narratives, before telling them to their friends? No. They just spread it around. That's what's so disturbing about the right wing there far more unified in their hatred of us than everyone else is in their acceptance of us. And these things are referred to and, and minimized as a culture war by people like Elon Musk, by everyone who minimizes the importance of these issues. But it's not just a culture war because in the first 119 days of 2022, the Republican Party passed 238 anti-LGBTQ laws. And in 11 states, it is illegal. Come on, buddy, you've seen another dog before. <laughs> he gets so excited when he sees other dogs. 119 anti-LGBTQ laws in the first, I'm sorry, 238 anti-LGBTQ laws in the first 119 days. And that oddly creates a perfect average of exactly two of these laws being passed in red states per day in those first four months of 2022. Two a day. If you look at Germany in 1936, when they really started to step up the anti, the anti-Semitic laws and the laws that focused on other minority groups in Germany, 
Uh, their legislative pattern at that time is actually far less aggressive than what's going on in America. And that led to World War II. That should be concerning for anyone. You know, they refer to what's going on in terms of discourse and, and the way people are united or divided in a country as the social climate. And that is a very apt term for what's going on, in, especially in this country right now, because in terms of, of acceptance and taking more enlightened positions on things like LGBTQ issues, you have 70 to 80% of the population moving forward, progressing. Well, you have approximately 20% of the population aggressively and violently moving backward. Now, when it comes to meteorology, when a high-pressure system meets a low-pressure system, when a cold front meets a warm front, They hit each other and they spin and they create the most violent weather patterns that, well, that we see. And that's the perfect metaphor for what's happening in this country. Most of the country is progressing forward at about a, a normal, predictable rate. Well, 20% of the country has suddenly and violently decided to regress. And that has created a clash that is not going anywhere good. Now that Elon Musk has removed moderation from Twitter, they're a lot more open about what they're actually thinking, Republicans. Just go search Twitter for Take Back Our Country, and then click on the portion of the search results called Latest, and look how many of them are fantasizing openly about being activated by someone like Donald Trump as some kind of paramilitary sleeper cell to violently overthrow the government and, quote, take back our country. Today, they're fighting with words, with demonizing bullshit narratives, and flooding social media with bot farms like, well, and, and troll farms like the, the one owned by Charlie Kirk for Turning Point, which was staffed by teenagers. They were caught flooding Facebook with fake people, fake generated profiles created by these teenagers using AI software to generate profile pictures and things like that. They were caught doing this, and Charlie Kirk and Turning Point were permanently banned from Facebook for doing that. They're fighting a war on, on every front that they have the, the guts to fight it on right now. And they are cowards. And that's why they have to use these kinds of narratives, this kind of deception and propaganda and, and just spreading lies and bullshit, like this narrative about the drag story hour. They know that their agenda is not an honorable one, that it's not a true agenda, that it's not 
for the greater good. They know this, and that's why they know they have to sell it as lies. And it's not working, at least not the way they want it to. And they're becoming more and more frustrated, more and more radicalized, and more and more violent. They haven't yet arrived at the point where they're ready to launch any kind of violent takeover or anything. But they're on their way there. But so far, so far it's something they've pursued mainly with misinformation, disinformation, discrediting legitimate journalism in favor of propaganda outlets like Fox News. That's their weapon of the present day. And to that end, the drag story hour must have seemed like a gift from God because there are so many things in that that if you aren't familiar with LGBTQ people and anyone who is either not gender conforming or not straight, then this narrative about the drag story hour might seem plausible. Especially when the thesis paper behind the program says things like introducing kids to living queerly and aspects of the story hour that include kids coming up with their own drag name. They're harmless. They're not going to have any effect on anything. They're not going to affect a kid's development in any way. But if you don't know how this stuff works, if you don't know anybody who's gay, this kind of narrative might seem plausible. On Twitter, I'm seeing people that normally don't participate that much in parroting these bullshit narratives. They are parroting this one. People who never got into the sort of Trumpian propaganda war. They're getting into it now over this one. And they've been, well, they've been pushed into doing that by one of the most effective levers there is in our society, and that's children. People that normally aren't radicalized in this way, because this involves children, they're getting into it. People that were more moderate before are being pulled in this far right direction by a narrative that could seem very convincing to anyone who isn't familiar with how sexual orientation works. These kinds of events are giant leaps forward toward events like oh, the rise of the Third Reich. And that's, I guess, why I'm talking about this. Mainly to get this off my chest and hopefully not have to feel so preoccupied while I'm trying to do my job, but I suppose if you find yourself in an argument with someone you know about this particular subject, you could tell them to listen to what I've said. Or if somebody more famous or credible is making the same points that I am, have that person listen to them. They're probably doing a better job of it than I am, and nobody actually listens to me. At least, nobody should. 
whenever I check this thing, it turns out there's always a lot more people listening than I thought. Especially since I always expect to see zero. Still, if you find yourself in an argument with someone pushing this narrative, have them listen to me or someone saying what I'm saying here and see if they still think about it the same way. Or at least see if they say they do. Could be an interesting social experiment. Anyone who does hear this, anyone who talks to someone like me about it, can't possibly believe that narrative after hearing a story like mine and like every other LGBTQ person who's ever been raised in such a restrictive, heteronormative, aggressively straight grooming environment. And once they know that, they either have to accept that that narrative is bullshit or start doing those mental gymnastics to find a way to rationalize why the narrative is true. And you can watch them do it. It's kind of fascinating. But it's also a horror show because you know that they're not the only ones doing it. The entire right wing is. It's definitely cause for concern. Anyway, I guess that's it.